Well, good evening. I'm glad to see each of you here, and apparently it must have been okay for you to make it here tonight. Uh, was not sure um, when we left out of here this morning, uh, things did not look well. And if it would have continued to have rained this afternoon, uh, I don't know where we would be, but praise the Lord, it, it stopped. And uh, I'm just praying that it'll just you know, I'm praying that the Lord will just take it, just move that thing just a little bit further that way and get it out of get it out of here. But anyway, um, we praise the Lord that uh, we're able to make it back tonight, and uh, it's not raining outside. I probably ought not to say anything else. Okay, uh, it may start before we um, get too far into it. But we want to welcome everyone tonight, especially those who are also watching online with us. And uh, as we continue our study through the 70 weeks of Daniel, and hopefully you got the new chart uh, tonight. There's a new chart uh, that you're going to have that we're going to go through, and you'll notice it is populated significantly. Uh, it has a lot of stuff that has been placed on there, and uh, these things just kind of grow and build. So if you have all of the charts and you've been collecting them, by the time we get finished, uh, you will have pretty much not only a written map, but you'll have a visual map as well. And so you can take the two of those together and uh, walk through it and uh, have a pretty good understanding of those things. Uh, they're going to come future. Uh, just a few prayer requests for you. Let me share these with you. Some have asked about Dakota. Uh, that was the uh, young lady who was leaving uh, church after a graduation um, event pulled out and of course was involved in a major accident and as a result of that major accident uh, she is still in a somewhat um, comatose state um, she has a long road uh, to recovery and they're still not exactly sure um, to what degree she is going to recover and uh, so just continue to pray for her and then also uh, Andrew um, and that is Gia and uh, Nino's son, Andrea, uh, will be having his surgery June the 29th, uh, which is on a Tuesday. Uh, so that is not very, very far away. And let me say this to you. Uh, because of your faithfulness to give, all of the money is at the hospital in Munich now that they need. Uh, so they have everything that they need, plus they have all of the money that they need for them to stay they'll be there in Munich two weeks prior to the surgery and then at least a week after that and uh, so just uh, continue to pray for uh, Gia and them um, and the surgery of, of their son and then also uh, let's continue to, to remember uh, brother Chris Nielsen brother Chris Nielsen will have a procedure done on Wednesday don't know for sure exactly what time it is but they are actually going to go in and change out an aortic valve um, in his heart and they do that now through a uh, um, right through a catheter uh, that is done and uh, they do a heart cath and it goes in and uh, at the same time they run the heart cath in it's got everything on there they go in they slip the old one out slip the new one in and uh, they're watching all of this on the TV screen and making sure it's all and they he also told me that they even allow you while you're undergoing that procedure um, you can also be somewhat semi-awake, so you could actually watch it. And I'm like, 
I don't think so. You take me back there, I better not know when you get me back there, okay? And I better not know till you get me out, okay, uh, that everything is good. But uh, just pray for Brother Chris and uh, for that procedure. And uh, just continue to remember the others that we have uh, on our prayer list as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, we'll pray tonight and then we'll get into uh, this next portion. All right. Father, we thank you for uh, the time together tonight and as we come to study your word. Uh, Father, as we look forward to, to, the, to the last days and, Father, to spending all of eternity with you, uh, Father, I pray that you would just uh, challenge and encourage our hearts tonight. Uh, Father, as we look at your word as it unfolds for us, those things that are yet future. And so, Father, may we understand the urgency of the hour that we live in today. And, Father, just how uh, important it is uh, that we share the gospel for those to hear uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that uh, we would redeem the time, Father, understanding and realizing as we watch the times, uh, Father, that we uh, are able to discern, uh, Father, and through wisdom, uh, Father, to be able to navigate the world and the culture that we find ourselves in today. So, Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us tonight uh, the truths that you'd have us to draw from your word. And, uh, Father, we'll just be careful to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you should have a series of charts that we have been through so far, uh, beginning with the, um, the weeks themselves uh, for a total of 490 years. Uh, the first uh, that we already looked at would have been uh, the first seven weeks of the first 49 years um, that we've looked at so far. You should have these charts, okay? Some of these will be combined. Now, what I have done is I've kind of separated them for myself. And um, I can't remember, but you may have one of the charts that's combined. You're going to have this part and you'll have the next uh, 62 weeks and then you'll have the church age and then you'll have you'll have the last week but this is just kind of a walkthrough uh, if you look at matter of fact if you find the chart that you have that's got the a b c d at the top okay uh, that's basically what i'm going to do is just walk through each square okay i've separated them out for me because it's easier for you to see them okay and if i tried to put that whole chart up here you would not be able uh, you'd not be able to see any of it all right this, of course, is the material that we went through. 445 B.C. marks the starting point for us when Artaxerxes uh, provided the decree for Nehemiah to go back and rebuild the walls uh, of Jerusalem. Uh, 396 B.C., the rebuilding was complete. Uh, we have that from Daniel chapter 9 and verse 25. And then the next was the 62 weeks, 434 years. Uh, which also incorporates what uh, is known as an intertestamental period. And that is the period after Malachi finishes his prophecy uh, from Malachi until such time that the Gospel of Matthew uh, begins with uh, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And so uh, all of that period then in the 62nd week. And it also takes us up to where you see the B there. Uh, then the period between the 69th and 70th week um, we talked about this all last week, uh, Jesus Christ's birth, then his, then his crucifixion, uh, and then his um, resurrection and ascension. So we've been through all of these portions uh, so far. Now, 
It brings us to this one uh, tonight, which is the one that you hold in your hands. And the reason that I made you a copy of it, because I knew you would not be able to probably read much of this up here because there's so much on there it is difficult to get it uh, to the point that you're able to read it but if you'll get this chart out I'm just going to kind of walk you through and let you know where this is this is basically that last gray uh, that last gray box uh, that was on the chart that had all your letters on it it brings us up to the 70th week of Daniel uh, right now we're in between the 69th week and this week right here and it's known as the church age now you'll notice there are a lot of pieces to this chart when you look at it beginning here with the beginning of sorrows uh, going across to the great tribulation to the day of the Lord uh, there are some numbers on the chart for you these are the total number of days let me caution you with this. One of the things that you will discover as you're going through and reading and studying this material, and it depends, and it also, you need to be careful who you read behind as to how they calculate the days and the total number of days. Uh, because many of them will take um, some days, and I'll talk about them a little bit later. There's a 30-day period and a 45-day period, and they just try to move them around all over. Well, one of the things that I want you to understand is they come at the end. Matter of fact, Daniel chapter number 12, uh, verse 11 and 12, talks about those days. And anyone who can endure through the end of those days, okay, uh, so it tells us that they're added at the end, that 30 and that 45-day period, and we'll talk about those a little bit later. You know, one of the questions that often gets asked, and I get asked this a lot, well, what about the resurrections? Um, how many resurrections are there? Uh, how many are there, resurrections are there in the scripture? What happens in the resurrections? Well, uh, you will notice that there are a series of reg, uh, uh, resurrections here of Old Testament saints and tribulation saints. Um, then, of course, you also have um, those who are uh, resurrected at the rapture of the church, uh, the believers that are resurrected at the time of the rapture of the church. And then there's another uh, resurrection that takes place is the resurrection to death, which happens uh, prior to the great white throne judgment of Jesus, or the great white throne judgment that is recorded in uh, Revelation chapter number 20, at the end of Revelation chapter number 20. Of course, and I get asked this all the time, well, what happens with the resurrection? Um, how many resurrections are there? What takes place in all the resurrections? The set of notes that I have for you take you through this process. Uh, defines for you what all of these resurrections are um, and you will notice that one of the resurrections that we're going to talk about tonight actually has four phases to it and uh, so when you look at the resurrection don't think that it's a contradiction by any means because the scripture is very clear and plain uh, when you go through and basically what we're going to do is we're going to give you all the scripture as we go through and take a look at all of this uh, tonight and so if you have the written notes in front of you, we'll just start at the top of those and we'll work our way through. Christ's resurrection. One of the things that you need to understand is the resurrection of Jesus Christ is probably one of the most important doctrines that we stand on. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, because I will say, if he did not rise from the, if he did not rise from the dead, then for us tonight, one of the things that you need to understand, we have no hope. Uh, if he did not rise from the dead, if there was no resurrection, uh, then 
what are we even doing here tonight? Paul wrote extensively about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But one of the other things that you also need to know about the resurrection of Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ is also the first fruit of the resurrection process. Uh, Jesus Christ, uh, in his resurrection, and you may want to make this note down somewhere near the top, Jesus Christ's resurrection was a bodily resurrection. It was not a spiritual resurrection, it was a bodily resurrection. So why, why was it a bodily resurrection? Well, you need to understand, he appeared to many afterward. Uh, matter of fact, for a period of 40 days, he appeared to the disciples. Uh, he appeared to Thomas. One of the things that he told Thomas uh, specifically was for Thomas to place his hands in his side. And also one of the other things that we know that Jesus did, Jesus ate with the disciples after his resurrection. So we know that it was a bodily resurrection by Jesus Christ himself. Now, um, and Jesus Christ is the first fruit of the resurrection. Jesus Christ prepared the way for us. Uh, so when we as a believer die... Uh, knowing and resting assured that we will participate in the resurrection as well. Now I get asked this question all the time. Well, Brother Robert, what are we going to look like at the resurrection? What is going to take place in the resurrection? Am I going to look the way I look right now in the time of the resurrection? Well, I can say this to you according to Scripture, and I can stand on this tonight according to Scripture. And here's what the Scripture says. God has prepared a body for you. Now, what that's going to look like, I don't know for sure, okay? Uh, so some of y'all can use your imagination of what you may or are going to look like after the resurrection takes place. I don't know, okay? But we do know that at the time of the resurrection, um, the things that will transpire and take place... 1 Corinthians 15 is where we're going to be predominantly for most of the night tonight. And I will tell you what, 1 Corinthians 15 is known as the resurrection chapter in Scripture. And we're going to go through and we're going to look at a lot of aspects of the resurrection and we're going to look at it uh, from the perspective of uh, 1 Corinthians and some other places as well as we go down through here. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you want to go ahead and turn there, it's where we will be. But in your notes for, in Adam all die. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 and look at verse 22 and verse 23. And notice as Paul writes, and we'll start in verse 20 because I want to make sure that you get the context of what Paul is writing, all right? I tell you what, let's do this. Uh, before we get to verse 20, let's back up to verse number 12. And I want you to, to notice as Paul writes extensively about the resurrection, okay? Starting in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead... How do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, and your faith also is vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God, because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. And then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ basically have perished. 
if we have hope in Christ in this life only, then we are all men most to be pitied or of all men most miserable because there is no hope. Now we come to verse 20. But, okay, that's why you see the, trans, uh, the transition there with the word but. Here's what Paul says. But now Christ has been raised from the dead. You ought to underline the next phrase. The first fruits of those who are asleep. He is the first fruit of those who are asleep. And let me say this to you tonight. At this moment in time, none of the Old Testament saints have been resurrected. They have not been resurrected. Okay, So all of the Old Testament saints who have died are still are still there okay there has been no resurrection taking place other than the resurrection of Jesus Christ himself because he is the first fruit of our resurrection verse 21 for since by a man came death by a man also came the resurrection of the dead for as in Adam all die so also in Christ all will be made alive but each in his, and here comes the key, and this is what you need to underline. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruit, and after that those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when his hands over, when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished, abolished all rule and all authority and power. Right. So we see that Jesus Christ is the first fruit. He is the one that has made it possible for you and I that when that takes place, when that day comes, he's already prepared the way. That's why there is no need for us to fear. There is no need for us to be concerned about when that day comes in our life because Jesus Christ has already prepared the way for us. And we know that as a result of his death and resurrection uh, that you and I will follow the same path. Jesus Christ will be the first, followed by a number of groups who come back from the dead, each in their own marching order, established and set up by God, that you see uh, in what we've already read in verse 23. That's why I said in verse 23, the first part, you need to underline, but each in his own order. And that goes back, and it actually, the, the Greek phrase there is an interesting phrase because it speaks of an army marching order and how they're very ordered and how it's very structured. And so when you come to verse uh, 23 of chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, it's one of the reasons that Paul goes through and he makes it and lets us understand that it is ordered by God. Uh, God is the one who directs all of this, and so all of it will take place exactly the way that God prepares for it to take place now what is the order of those resurrections well the bible speaks of two future resurrections and we know that there are two uh, the resurrection of life and the resurrection to death uh, we know of both of those are spoken of in the book of the revelation uh, they're also spoken of in the gospels the uh, the resurrection to life and the resurrection to death the first resurrection is in four parts or phases and I think sometimes we lose sight of that. We think of the resurrection of, uh, to life. Everyone's going to be resurrected. And 
and at one time I sat under that teaching and that's what I was taught well there at the first resurrection all saved all believers regardless of who they are are going to be resurrected at that time and I'm thinking okay but what happens to all of those who get saved during the tribulation period and die so when do they get resurrected so what happens in the transition here and so I was totally confused okay and I spent a great deal of time in confusion until I went through and started studying it for myself and going through and walking through it in the scripture and seeing how the scripture unfolds for us and allows us to see and the first thing that made it clear to me that there's some order to this thing is in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians verse or chapter 15 verse 23 but each in his own order so are there two resurrections there are there's a resurrection to life and there's a resurrection to death under the resurrection to life there is an order there are phases that will take place or parts I give those parts to you in the notes in the written notes that you have in front of you and there are four of them when you look at them right one of them the first one the very first one is Jesus Christ himself uh, he is the first fruits. number two is the saved at the rapture of the church we've heard this over and over and over again when the rapture of the church takes place those who are dead in Christ will rise first and then all of those who are alive and yet remain will be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord so we know that there is a resurrection that takes place of those saints who have died in Jesus Christ and then those who are alive and remain and all of those that are raptured at the time or those uh, that are resurrected at the time of the rapture are all of those who have died in Jesus Christ. That is the key here. No one else, those who have died in Jesus Christ. Why? What's being resurrected? The church. Who is the church? It's the bride of Christ. That's who it is. So who will be a part of that resurrection? It's the bride of Christ. It's all of the believers who have died in Christ. And that is the significance. That's the identifier of this group. It's those who have died in Christ. Number three is the next one. This is the next phase of it. It's the tribulation and the Old Testament saints at his second coming. If you look at the chart that I've, I've given to you, wrong button, there it is right there. The resurrection of Old Testament, tribulation saints in the red, at the time of his second coming all right we're going to look at that in a little bit further as we go through and just kind of unpack each one of these all right so you have the old testament saints the tribulation and the old testament saints at his second coming and then the last one number four is the great white throne and the millennial saints millennial saints yeah they're millennial saints all right um, those who will pass into the millennial kingdom and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that okay a little bit later all right so let's start with the first one Christ is the first we've seen this now in first Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20 and verse 23 we've already looked at but let's go to Acts chapter 26 all right Acts chapter 26 and verse 23 Acts chapter 26 and this of course Paul is bringing his defense before Agrippa and as he is speaking to Agrippa I want you to notice 
what Paul is going to share. We'll start in verse 21, and I want you to notice as Paul is speaking before Agrippa in his own defense. He says, For this reason some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So having obtained help from God, I stand to this day, testifying both to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place. Here's what the prophet and Moses said was going to take place in verse 23. That the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. You see that? Paul speaking once again of his resurrection from the dead. Christ's resurrection from the dead. If Christ did not rise from the dead, and let me tell you something, there are those out there today who teach that he did never, that Jesus Christ never in fact truly died. That his coming forth out of the tomb was nothing more. And there's, there's three different major thoughts about his death and supposed resurrection. And one of them was actually... And we have it recorded for us in the scripture that his body was actually stolen away. And that was one of the things that the chief priests came up with the soldiers who came back to him. And so that one is still looked at and even discussed today. The other one is what is called the swoon theory that Jesus Christ never really died on the cross. And that once he was placed inside of the coolness of the inner part of the tomb, uh, at some point in time he was able to, to get himself to the point that he was able to actually leave the tomb. Well, the big question is, is who removed the stone? And they said, well, if he was Jesus Christ, so he could have had the stone removed and he could have walked out of there. Well, my question is, if he did walk out of there and he was still alive... Why don't we have anything recorded about him afterwards? Huh? I mean, other than what we have recorded in the scripture, that after his resurrection, he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and that's where we know he is today, according to Acts chapter number 1. So all of these other theories that are out there today, we know that Jesus Christ died, and that he bodily rose again from the grave. Let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter number 1. This, of course, speaking about Jesus Christ as Paul writes this concerning who he is. We'll start in verse 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us uh, to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. Where the thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Now notice verse 18. He is also head of the body the church 
and he is the beginning and you ought to underline the next phrase the firstborn from the dead he is the first fruit the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything right so we see once again even Paul writing to the church at Colossae as he deals with the subject and the fact that Jesus Christ is the first and you'll notice in your notes I put this one statement down here he is the one who is preeminent over death that's who he is okay he is preeminent over death it is Jesus Christ himself who is first in all of this number two you have the rapture of the church now I know there are multiple views five specific views concerning the rapture of the church and where the rapture of the church takes place I will say this to you tonight where the rapture of the church takes place I will say this to you uh, tonight it can't come at the end of the 70th week of Daniel it can't come in the millennial kingdom anywhere in the 70th week of Daniel where it is going to take place um, that is about as debated and varied as they come and let me say this to you tonight what is important is that you're part of the rapture wherever it happens in the process all right and so for all of us um, I could stand up here tonight and go through all five views for you okay but it's just something that really for us what's important here is understanding that the rapture will take place exactly where and what that timing is I'm not going to stand up here tonight and try to debate that to you all right, and I have my own thoughts and my own opinions and my own views about where the rapture of the church takes place. Uh, if you want to talk to me about that uh, by, by yourself with me, I'll be more than happy uh, to share with you where I feel like the rapture of the church will take place. But that's not what important is what is important here. Okay? What's important here is that the rapture of the church, what happens at the rapture of the church? But one of the things that we know is going to happen at the rapture of the church, the bodies of the living and the dead will be changed. If you attend any funerals at all, you will have heard preachers use this passage over and over and over again. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. And we speak about this always because it is significant um, it's where we draw our hope from it's where we draw our comfort from and so Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica shared these words with us at the rapture of the church the bodies of the living and the dead will be changed beginning in verse 13 notice what Paul says but we do not want you to be uninformed brethren about those who are asleep in other words those who have died we don't want you to be uninformed about them we want you to fully know what is going to happen what is going to take place so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope now I'm going to tell you I've done funerals for those who were lost and they are not pleasant they're just not pleasant. Uh, matter of fact, I have been in the hospital rooms as the loved one is dying without Jesus Christ. And sometimes the pain and the screaming and the calling out and the crying out in that process 
is difficult. So Paul says, I want you to understand this about those who have fallen asleep in Christ so that we understand that we have a hope not as those without Christ, but we have a blessed hope in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Paul goes on in verse 14 and notice what he writes. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. There is the promise right there for you in the word of God. If you have died in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, then I can tell you what's going to happen. When he returns, you're going to be with him. That's what's going to happen. Whether you're alive or dead. And so what Paul is dealing with here is the subject of those who have already died in Christ. So if you've already died in Christ, all of our loved ones who have died in Christ... I can tell you something, you're not, if, you, if the rapture happens tonight, you're not going to beat them there. Okay? Verse 15. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we always be with the Lord and notice what Paul says next to do what? to comfort each other with these words we find comfort. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to fear what is coming. So when we consider all of these things, and, and I don't know if you understand this tonight, but do, do, do you understand that everything that you see on that chart that you hold in your hand, at the time that the church age comes to a close and the 70th week of Daniel ushers in, every bit of this stuff on that chart that's in front of you is going to happen. And there are things that we're going to be a part of. The Bema Seat Judgment, known as the Judgment Seat of Christ. And I don't know about you, but the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. We're going to be a part of the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. That's one of the reasons why in John chapter 14, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or many dwelling places. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Let me tell you what he's done. He's gone to his father's house to prepare the room in anticipation of the day that the marriage is going to be consummated between the bridegroom and the bride, which is the church. And so all of that we have to look forward to. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I try to visualize what it may look like. And I'm going to tell you right now, I, I'm sure we don't have, there, there's not enough within our humanness to be able to comprehend what we're going to experience in all of this process. But it's only for the believers. It's only those who are in Christ. And see, so that is something for us that we have that is special. All of us who have been born again, who, all of us who are in Christ, we have a special relationship with Jesus Christ because we make up the bride of Christ. And so it's special for us as well. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians and look at chapter 15 again. Uh, because 1 Corinthians 15 also 
deals with it as well. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, beginning in verse 50. Paul takes it a little bit, takes it a little bit further, takes it another step further. It's called the mystery of the resurrection, which we see here. The mystery of the resurrection. Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Do you see that? We will all be changed. How fast? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trump will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now I want you to notice, we will become immortal. And I know people have asked me, said, well, Brother Robert, what's it like to be immortal? I don't know. <laughs> I can't tell you, okay? But I can tell you this. It's going to happen. And what's it going to be like? I don't know. But I don't think Hollywood has done a very good job of trying to display for us what immortality looks like. Verse 54. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where's your victory? O death, where's your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil or your labor is not in vain in who? In the Lord. It's not. So we have Christ, the first fruits. We have the rapture of the church that takes place. That's the second. Well, what about tribulation saints? You see up there, the resurrection of Old Testament and tribulation saints. You know, they've always, we've always wondered what happens to those who get saved during the tribulation period. I will say this to you tonight. There are those, there is, a te there is teaching out there that says that no one will be saved during the tribulation period. Now, I don't tend to hold to that. I believe the opportunity will still be there for some to place their trust and faith in Jesus Christ during the tribulation period. So what happens to them? What happens to those who die? What about those who are saved during the tribulation period that are martyred? What happens to them? Do they just miss out totally or just we just kind of forget about them? We just kind of lose sight of them? What happens to, what happens to the tribulation saints? Well, I have another question for you. What about all of those Old Testament saints that died? You say, well, Brother Robert, who are you talking about? Well, how about Abraham? How about Moses? How about all of those who have died, all the Old Testament saints that we have recorded? I tell you what, you want a good place to go? Go to Hebrews chapter number 11 and just look at the list there. So what happens to all of them? Well, you have the Old Testament saints as well as the tribulation saints, and we're going to look at this as well. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter number 20. In 
Revelation chapter number 20 is going to talk about these. The tribulation saints will be raised at the second coming of Christ. Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 through verse number 6. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them. And judgment was given to them, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image. So guess what that tells me? Guess where that tells me we are? We're in the 70th week of Daniel, who have not taken the mark of the beast, okay? Who have not done any of those things, have not received the mark on their forehead or on their hand. But notice what it says next. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. They did what? They came to life. Well, there's only one way you can come to life, and that's to be resurrected. So that's what happens. Verse 5, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. So we see there from Scripture that they will also reign with him during the millennial kingdom. Isn't that interesting? So now to answer the question, for many, what happens to those who are saved during the tribulation? Well, God has a plan for that, and he has a place for that, okay? Well, what about the next one, all right? And that's the Old Testament saints. Let me ask you a question. How many of y'all have struggled with what was going to happen to those who died during the tribulation period and uh, the Old Testament saints? What happens to all of those, okay? Uh, since they don't make up the bride of Christ, okay? They're not dead in Christ, all right? So what happens to even the Old Testament saints? Well, the scripture makes it clear for us, and we can see this. Let's go back to Daniel chapter number 12. We're going to go back to the Old Testament for this one. Daniel chapter number 12. Daniel chapter number 12. And I think you're going to find Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2, two interesting verses. Now at the time, at that time, Michael, the great prince who stands guard over the sons of your people, will arise. And there will be a time of distress such as never occurred since there was a nation until that time, and at that time your people, everyone who is found written in the book, you ought to underline the next phrase, will be what? Will be rescued. What rescued? Well, look at verse 2. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will what? They will awake. These to everlasting life but the others to disgrace and everlasting contempt. Do you see that? Guess who that is? That's the Old Testament saints who have died. 
recorded for us in Daniel. They're not left out either. So understanding that Jesus Christ is the first fruit, you have the rapture that takes place, the saints who have died in Christ will be resurrected at the rapture of the church, the tribulation saints will also be raptured, or uh, will be resurrected, excuse me, not raptured, but resurrected, okay? According to Revelation chapter 20, verse 4 through verse number 6. And then those occur, like I said, right at that point right there. The resurrection of the Old Testament, the tribulation saints. Because Revelation chapter 20 ushers in the second coming of Jesus Christ for the millennial kingdom, for the millennial reign of Christ. All right? And then finally, the Old Testament saints or believers. Now, Daniel chapter 12, verse 11 through verse 13. I want you to notice the numbers here. From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up. Daniel is talking about that midpoint right there. From the time of the abomination of desolation, which is the midpoint, until we run all the way to the end over here. When you come to that end piece over there, I want you to notice what Daniel says specifically about it. Verse number 11, From the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished, uh, abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. Now, how do we get 1,290 days? When you look at the chart, uh, this period right here, from this midpoint right here, over to the second coming right there and you'll see the arrows is 1260 days that's how long it is it's a three and a half year period based on a 360 day Jewish calendar so it's 1260 days what happens at the end of 1260 days there's another 30 days that's added to it that brings you to the 1290 days so from the time that the regular sacrifice is abolished and the, uh, is abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. But notice verse 12. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the 1,335 days. 1,335 days. How do we get from 1,260 to 1,290 to 1,335? You move from 1,260 to 1,290 by adding an additional 30-day period. And then you get to the 1,335 by adding another 45-day period. There's significance to those two numbers of 30 and 45 we'll talk about later, okay? But that shows you and allows you to see all of this then is going, uh, all of this is going to take place up here with the second coming happening at this point. And there are two significant things that are going to take place with the 30 days that you see up here in the 44. Now, one of the things I've done for you on the chart that you have in front of you, you will see that 30 days is identified as mourning, and you'll see the 45 days is the cleansing of the temple to prepare for temple worship during the millennial kingdom of Christ. Do you see all of that? There's a lot to this in there. Huh? Aren't you glad God's got all this? <laughs> God's got all this marked down. He knows exactly when it's all going to happen. He knows exactly how it's all going to occur. So after the tribulation period is over, 
Uh, after the 70th week is over, Jesus Christ returns. Uh, he will then resurrect the Old Testament saints. Every believer from the time of Adam until the second coming of Christ will have been resurrected at this time. So all the resurrection of all the saints, both Old Testament tribulation saints and the bride of Christ will have been resurrected by this time. Isn't that amazing? What all is going to take place? How many of y'all are excited? Huh? We have a blessed hope in all of this uh, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right. That's a lot for you to take in tonight. Okay? Uh, take, the, uh, take the notes. Go through. Look at them. I will be up at the front. You got any questions? You want to ask me any questions about the chart? I'll be more than happy to talk with you about it. Uh, I have a totally open mind. Okay? And I will say, let me say this to you tonight. I do not have a corner on the market. But I will say this to you. When we get to heaven, you'll find out I was right. No, I'm just joking, okay? I'm just joking, all right? What will happen is when we get there, we'll find out that God was right all along. Amen? Amen. But what a, you know, what a, what a, what a joy it is for us to study this, though. But here's what it ought to do. When we realize and understand what's before us, what it ought to do is it ought to challenge us and motivate us to be busy about what we've been called to do. Because once all of this sets in motion, it's going to be too late for many. Amen? So let's be busy looking towards the eastern sky, waiting for the day that he calls us home, but to be busy about the Father's business. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, that's it for tonight. And uh, trust that uh, it's been a blessing to you. I will be up at the front. Let's stand. We'll be dismissed in a word of prayer. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope the rain will just kind of dissipate, okay? And uh, get out of here, all right? And dry the ground out or off, okay? And, uh, but I'm thankful that God controls all of that, not us anyway. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Father, we thank you for the time together tonight as we've studied your word. And Father, I just pray that the Holy Spirit would uh, take what we have, have read tonight and what we have seen. Father, that your word would find a lodging place in our hearts. Father, we would understand and realize uh, what lies ahead of us in the days ahead of us. And Father, as we look forward to that day, Father, understanding and realizing there are many who will die without Jesus Christ. And Father, may we warn them. Father, may we sound the alarm to them that judgment is coming. And Father, to live out the gospel in front of them. Uh, Father, to be an image bearer of Jesus Christ in our lives each and every day. I pray that you would dismiss us now tonight with your love. Keep us safe as we travel home. Father, bring us back at the next appointed time. And we'll be careful to thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And you're dismissed.